Morning, everyone. Good morning. And you're very welcome to our Toy Sunday. And thank you for everyone. You can see all the toys here that are going to the Vine Center. Thank you so much for everybody's generosity uh, to make uh, children's Christmas a little brighter. Um, okay, this, uh, this service, uh, the Sunday Club are away. They're not in the service this morning. They're over in the halls. They're working away. They've been working on a video that they're going to show us next week. So, uh, so this morning, there's going to be, uh, rather than a children's address, there's going to be two little short talks uh, by myself about uh, a couple of prophecies, very relevant prophecies, as we prepare for Christmas. Now, it's Morel Murphy's birthday, 100th birthday, on January the 28th. And some arrangements have been made by his family. And so I'm going to invite Jennifer Wilson, his granddaughter, to come and to give you a little bit of information on that. Uh, needless to say, it's all to be kept hush-hush. And Morel isn't here this morning, so, okay. So it doesn't go unnoticed by us, the family, how well my granda is thought of by everybody, how much love everybody in the congregation has for him. So um, we feel as a family that it is only fitting that we extend an invitation to you all to celebrate um, my granda's 100th birthday on the 28th of January. Um, it's to be held in the Clandy Boy Lodge. It's, it is his actual birthday that night, it's the 28th, and anybody who wishes to come, we would like you all to be there for seven for the guest of honour's arrival at 7.30. Um, Brian Hall, myself, my mum, and a few other people have been working quietly behind the scenes, and his birthday has escalated to something which seems to be quite a big affair, rightly so, at 100. Um, over the next couple of weeks, um, I, myself and Brian and my mum will have a couple of sheets out in the vestibule, thanks to Mark, um, for allowing us. <laughs> um, and anybody who wishes to attend, if you could just sign your name, um, it's not compulsory, it's just so that we have a rough idea of the, the numbers that are going to be coming. Um, as I say, you're all very, very welcome, children, grandchildren, anybody that you wish to bring um, as this is a big event. Um, we feel that you're, you know, you should all, if you can, be there and join us. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, with regards to prayer space, as you know, on the 12th of December, uh, we're having uh, Kilmean Primary School from P2 to P7 coming up into our building here, and there'll be different activities for them to do. So we'll be having classes. And uh, to do with prayer, to do with Christmas. Um, so there's a meeting this afternoon. If anybody uh, would like to come to that at half past three, just in the quiet room, and uh, Rachel Davis, who's one of the teachers in Kilmaine, will be coming to that and give us a few guidelines. Uh, we're also we're looking for loan, the loan of a, a pop-up gazebo uh, for the event, which, which runs, uh, on, as I said, the 12th to the 16th of December. And if you can... If you have a wee pop-up gazebo that goes up easy and down easy, please could, would, you, would you lend it to us? Um, the PW Circle of Friends are having their Christmas evening tomorrow at 7pm in the church. Uh, please see the order of service for more details. 
Um, hopefully you received a, a Christmas tree festival flyer on the way in. Um, the preparations are well underway for the Christmas tree festival, uh, which takes place next weekend. The details are on this flyer. The festival basically begins on Friday, starting at 11.30, with Kilmaine Primary School choir singing here, followed by then um, Bally Crocken Playgroup Choir at half past 12, and then at half past one, Bally Home School Choir. And then our Christmas Tree Light Up event will begin at quarter past seven, and we have two very special guests to switch on the lights for us. Uh, Sheila Palmer and her son Neil are going to do that uh, for us. Cumber Silver Band will lead us in some carols, and then Santa will make an appearance um, and give the children gifts, and Peter Alexander will sing some Christmas favourites. Uh, so then we'll come into the church to get warmed up and have some hot chocolate, and you can have we look, which next week the church will be lined with Christmas trees on both sides uh, of, of the church. So please take as many of these as you, you need to give to friends or family or your neighbours. And if you'd like to help in any way and you haven't signed up yet, but you would like to help, please contact Muriel Irvine or any member of the events team. Uh, next Friday, our prayer meeting uh, is coming a bit earlier. It's 10 o'clock in the morning rather than 11 o'clock because of the festival coming along. So 10 a.m. on Zoom next Friday. You'll also notice that there's a prayer flyer, uh, which I didn't put. Please read it. Please put it on your fridge. Please uh, pray for us over the next couple of weeks. We have a very busy schedule and so many kids coming in. We want everything just to go really well. We want the whole Christmas tree festival. We're not charging for it. We're wanting it to be a gift to this community. We're wanting to give something back to the community um, in this time of, of cost of living crisis. So please put that on your fridge and please remember to pray for us um, and pray for those events. Also, to help decorate the church, if you have any big boxes, uh, could you cover them in Christmas paper, bring them to the church on Thursday afternoon, the 8th of December. Contact Muriel if you need the boxes collected. Our telephone number is in the order of service. And finally, for dis dis distributors, the Christmas material is ready for collection from the church kitchen. Thank you for your help in distributing this and, uh, the, and, and distributing the material to our members. I think that's all the announcements. I hope it is, anyway. Okay, Psalm 119, verses, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I want to look... At those two things today, Jesus said, I am the bread, and, uh, and uh, he, he also said, I am the light of the world. So bread and light is what we want to be focusing on this morning. And talking of light, um, I'm just going to light our Advent uh, candles, um, light two of them as we prepare for Christmas. There we go. Right. Let's pray a minute. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world, that you came in um, and came down to earth 
Lord, that you might guide us, that you might direct us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that, Lord, that you might direct us as the way, the truth, and the life back into heaven, into eternity. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you're the bread of life, and bread is the sustenance. When people lived in 2,000 years ago, bread was so important to their staple diet. Lord, and you were saying, I am necessary. I am necessary feeding in your life. Lord, we pray, God, give us a good service. May we know your presence here, and may we glorify you in Jesus' name. We're not going to stand, and we're going to sing um, as we, we just welcome the Lord into our, our midst this morning. We're going, to, we're going to sing, Light of the World, Here I Am to Worship.
first reading is from John 6, verses 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For in him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one who has sent So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is a bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Amen. Thank you, Tom. I'm just going to uh, welcome Ryan and Shelley and wee Ruby and their sisters and the whole family. You're very, very welcome if you're here this morning to see wee Ruby being uh, baptized. And uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the sign of water baptism, which reminds us of the promise of forgiveness. And we pray with anticipation that in years to come, our children might make this promise their own. We're also reminded of our own responsibilities as parents, as Sunday school teachers, as elders and members of the congregation, to sow into young lives by encouraging them and pointing them in the direction of Jesus Christ and to into a life-giving relationship with him. Help us not to take such responsibility lightly, And we pray that by your Spirit you might give us the wisdom and strength to do such a task as unto you, that we may see your hand of blessing and grace throughout their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's lovely, especially this time of year, to have a wee baby to baptize. And uh, this is not magic water. (laughs) This is just ordinary water out of a tap. And, uh, but baptism, as we baptize uh, Ruby, we're praying and surrendering her to the Lord that when it comes, when she comes of age, to understand for herself that she might receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. So, aware of the responsibilities, Ryan and Shelley are now going to present Ruby Margaret Garland for baptism. And I'd like everyone, please, to stand uh, with them in support. Okay, so 
in presenting this child for baptism, are you affirming your faith in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior from sin and as Lord of your life? Depending on the grace of God, are you committed to living as a follower of Jesus Christ, led and empowered by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to provide a Christian home and bring up your child in the worship and teaching of the church so that, so that she may come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And now, a commitment from the congregation. As we receive Ruby Margaret Garland into the fellowship of the church, do you promise, with God's help, to be faithful in prayer, spiritual nurture, Christian example, and influence for her and her family? Ruby Margaret Garland, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> okay. So we're going to sing the ironic blessing. especially and we're just going to pray for the family father we just thank you lord for this young family we thank you for shelly and for ryan and for we ruby and uh, we just pray god that you would guide them as parents give them wisdom give them patience give them encouragement when times are hard and lord we just thank you that that you are always there for them no matter how difficult the road can get at sometimes, Lord, that you are there for them. And we commit them all as a family to you. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bless their home, bless their relationships, and Lord, protect them uh, under your grace. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. There's a wee book for Ruby and a flower. Hold on a minute with something else. <laughs> There's a wee baptism for certificate. Okay. Now, we're going to sit and we're not going to sing this song because I don't think that, uh, that you know it. I didn't know it until the past week and it came on uh, over my, through my uh, stereo and I thought that is so appropriate. That is really appropriate. It's from Keith and Christine Getty thought it was appropriate for this morning. It's called Underneath the Shining Star. So we're just going to sit and think and listen to it. Mm -hmm. 
Lovely. And uh, just uh, one of the trees that we're, we're doing, uh, the Kirk Session tree, that will be here uh, on Friday. Basically, as you come in, you were given a, a bauble. If you haven't got a bauble, please pick one up in the vestibule. And there's a wee sticker. You write your name on it, and you put it in a box. And the Kirk Session tree is going to be about bringing every single person by name before the Lord, and like a little a prayer that God will look after us uh, as he does. So please remember to do that. And if you're a visitor, please do lift a bobble yourself. Or if you have someone in mind who is ill at the moment, uh, put their name on it if you'd like them prayed for. Uh, it's, it's surrendering each of us into God's care. That's what the trade, that's what we're doing. Okay, um, and there's a wee box, there's a big box out to put them in on the way out. Right, okay. So I just want to share for a moment from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and I'm sure you've heard this many, many times, this reading uh, as we come up to Christmas. Um, you only really appreciate light in the, when, you're, when it's dark. You know, that seems a very obvious thing to say, but it's in the dark that we really appreciate the light. And the darker the darkness is, the more we appreciate the light, whether that be just beads of light or beams of light. And likewise, we only truly appreciate hope in difficult times. You know, when everything's going well, we don't feel we need hope. But it's times that are dark, it's times when despair is lurking at our door, that's when we need hope. That's when we recognize our need of hope. Now, this verse of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, it shines into the darkness of people's lives. It illuminates the lives of many with a sign of hope, hope in very dark and oppressive days. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. I want to try and paint a picture in your mind this morning. Micah the prophet comes from another little town called Marasha. It's about 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem. It was a small country farm and village. Here we have farmers working all hours of the day and night to put clothes on their backs of their children, to put bread on the table. And every morning the farmer gets out of bed, he looks over the plains all surrounding him, and it stops to look at the sun as it rises casting light in the colors all around. And he's glad to be alive, and he's grateful for the land he has, and he loves it. But there's one thorn in his side, and it's a massive, massive thorn. Soon that which he loves will no longer be his. Many, in fact, have already lost their land. By some underhand wheeling dealing through politics and leaders and military leaders, they're taking the land from, from each of the farmers, from each of the families. What must a man do to earn a living for his family? What must a man do to feed his children? And Micah speaks about so-called so leaders who are taking money from the people. He says, you, you strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. 
The people of the little town of Marisha, they're Micah's neighbors, they're his family, they're his friends, they're his loved ones. And this is happening not just in Marisha, it's happening all over Israel where men and women, families, are losing their land and their money to big landowners. Days are dark. Judgment, Micah says, is coming. But as people feel robbed and hard done by, as they work all the hours that God sends, only to see most of it fill the pockets of the rich leaders of the land. They need something. These people need something to lift their spirits, something to lift their hearts. They need something to give them a reason to go on. They need hope. And suddenly out of the mist of and haziness of life in Marcia, Micah strikes a match, a flame of hope. But you, Bethlehem, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. The Messiah, the Christ, is coming. And we're going through a cost of living crisis. There's Ukraine, the difficulty there. We're living in days um, of friction, of economy that are, is, is very fragile. We're living in days that are tough, that we thought we'd never have to live through. So I hope you can identify with what Micah is saying. You know, we're out there, we're working as farmers, we're trying to get our kids some food, we're trying to clothe our children, and our land and our money and our wealth, any that we have is being taken from us. And Micah is saying, he's saying, look to Bethlehem. Christ is not far away. Marsha, as I said, is a small town. But Micah talks about, as we've said, Bethlehem, another little sleepy village, insignificant Bethlehem. And Micah is saying to those folk who've lost hope, he's saying, listen, born among us, born among the poor, born among those who's already struggle in life, there's coming one who's going to be pitching his tent right among us, among the downtrodden. He's our hope. He'll be pitching his tent among us. The, the name Bethlehem, actually, it smells of freshly baked bread because Beth means house and Lechem in Hebrew means bread. The name of Bethlehem is house of bread. And... Um, He's saying there's going to come someone, a ruler, a king, the Christ, out of Bethlehem is going to come freshly break bread which will never go stale. And Jesus would one day say, as, as Tom read, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Now, between 1873 and 1889, there was a priest called Father Damien, and he worked with lepers under quarantine on Molokai, which is one of the Hawaiian islands. And he cared for the patients. He himself dressed their ulcers. He helped build a reservoir. He made coffins and he dug graves. He oversaw the building of houses and schools and roads and hospitals and churches. One day he came to realize that he too had contacted the disease of leprosy. He spilled some hot water on his hand and he realized he, didn't, he couldn't feel the pain. And the next speech, that when he got all the lepers together, the next speech he said was, we lepers. We lepers. 
He could now identify with them. But you, Bethlehem, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. He will live with you. He will identify with you. He'll take all your, on your struggles. He'll feel your pain. He'll experience those feelings of oppression. He'll feel it. He's pitching his tent in the middle of your life situation. And Christ is never far away. And no matter how difficult life can become and how many valleys that people go into, Christ is never far away. He can empathize with your pain and your worry and your anxiety. At times you may feel that life has been slowly squeezed out of you. You may feel tired. You might feel discouraged. You might feel downtrodden. You might feel empty. There are many things in life which can dehydrate you from that buzz in your soul which you once had. But take hope in this. Christ is among you. Now these poor farmers, they're working hard, feeling robbed of the prophets, and Micah is saying to them, don't be discouraged. He's, his, he's our hope. Watch this space. Watch Bethlehem. Watch the house of bread. That's where he's coming from. You can almost smell the freshly baked bread wafting down from Bethlehem. He's the bread of life. He's the Christ. He's God's anointed. He's the, he's the smell of hope coming from Bethlehem for each of our lives. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in him tonight. What did God say to the prophet Zechariah? For who has despised the day of small things? God specializes in small things. There was David and Goliath. There was Gideon and the Midianites. And now a baby in a stable. A baby in a stable in Bethlehem. Bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. In the midst of hardship, he can bring life. He is life. He is life. Do you remember when God's people had been delivered out of Egypt? When God used Moses to lead them? When they find themselves in the desert, God supplies them with a bread-like substance, which they call it manna, which the Hebrew is, it means, what is it? Because the people looked at this stuff, and they didn't know what it was. It looked like bread, but it wasn't bread. So they called it, what is it? What is it? And every morning, people would look outside their tents and find the manna covering the fields, God's provision. It's sustenance, but it's that's all. It's only sustenance. Not particularly appetizing, but it would sustain them. It wouldn't last. It would, it would rot away within 24 hours, and so every morning they had to trust God. There was a new batch of manna of this what is it on the fields. And it was temporary sustenance, which was to give them the strength to carry on to the promised land. And our lives here on earth are only a preparation for what we will find in heaven. Life can feel like a jigsaw puzzle at times, and Christ is the centerpiece 
of the puzzle. He's the centerpiece. God gives us what we need here, the most precious thing, the most important part, being Christ, who is the bread of life, giving us Christ, our very sustenance. Outside of Christ, what satisfies in this life is only temporary. Micah's message is, focus your eyes on the one who will come out of Bethlehem. And it's relevant to you today as it was back then. Going through a tough time, going through bereavement, not, work, you're not sure about your job, going through different hardships, keep your eyes focused on the one, the bread of life, who's coming out of Bethlehem. He's our hope. He's the one, says Micah, what we have been waiting for. Okay. We're going to stand and we're going to sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. <coughs>
John Armstrong to come now and do a reading for us. The reading is from John 8, verses 1 to 12. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down to teach them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and in front of Jesus. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses said to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust. And they kept looking and then they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. All right, but let anyone who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one from the eldest. And suddenly the woman was standing on her own. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus then spoke to the people once more. And he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads you. Amen. Thank you, John. We're going to pray uh, in a moment. I'm sure you've read about uh, the famine, starvation of people in East Africa, or seen it on your TV screens. Um, a series of crises have combined to leave more than 18 million people desperately short of food. Uh, the worst drought in 40 years, it's led to harvests withering away. The invasion of Ukraine has caused the price of food um, to rock, skyrocket. Local conflicts have forced millions of people from their homes. The flash floods from being washed away while what little is left. Crisis has led to an increase in child marriages. In the desperation, the parents are marrying off their daughters to wealthier families in the hope that they'll have a better chance of survival. And, you know, it's tough, tough times for these folk. But we're going to, we're going to pray together for a moment for them. Um, let's pray. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would provide nourishing food and clean water for those in need. We pray for the healing of those who are suffering from malnutrition and hunger. We pray that they will feel God's love and his comfort surrounding them. We pray that there'll be no long-term side effects or medical conditions due to hunger. And we ask you, God, to bring the rainfall that is needed, parts of Uganda, Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia. We pray that this will lead to abundant harvests and for water sources to spring up again closer to communities. We pray that God's power will be revealed through the church across East Africa, that it will bring a message of hope 
amid the suffering. And we pray for church leaders who are often struggling with the effects of hunger themselves. And we ask you, Lord, to strengthen and protect them as they live out your call to care for people in need. We pray for the daughters who've been married off at a very young age. We pray that you would protect them and that they would be valued. We pray for the children who are missing school because they have, they're having to travel to collect water instead or are simply too hungry to attend. May you provide them with a good education. We pray for peace in these countries and especially in Ukraine, which is having a huge effect on the price of essential food supplies, such as flour and cooking. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Another prophecy which is well known coming up to Christmas, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2 and 3, sorry. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, but behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings, the brightness of your rising. There was a deep cave that was found a number of years ago off the Pacific coast. And as far as we know, it had been explored by no human. But there was one man passionate about going, and he wanted to get into the cave and explore it for himself. So he got himself a small hand lamp and a large bowl of twine. And he fastened one end of the twine to something secure outside of the cave. And taking the lamp in one hand and the ball of twine in the other, he entered the cave. And climbing over rugged rocks and through deep passages, he felt content because he had his ball of twine. He knew as long as he had the ball in his hands, he could find his way out again. And he traveled into the heart of the cave and pulled himself through some small openings until he reached a large, beautiful room in the cave. And this room was adorned with rare and beautiful curiosities. He wanted to gather some of them, uh, some of the items, and place them in his bag. Uh, so he set down his lamp. He saw one in particular that he had to reach out to. It was quite a distance. And he set his lamp down and his ball of twine beside it. And uh, suddenly his lamp fell over and he was in total darkness. And he tried desperately to find his lamp again. And he tried desperately to find where his ball of twine was again. Eventually, when his dead body was found, they found tracks which could be seen where he crept in total darkness, back and forward, back and forward, in search of his lamp and twine. You know, light is so important to us. We take it for granted, but light is so important to us. Without light, we would be lost. Without light, we could not live. Light brings life. And here Isaiah tells the people, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now what an amazing thing it must be to stand at the North Pole or the South Pole and uh, see the sunrise after six months of darkness. That must be amazing, an amazing feeling. Isaiah says to Zion, to those in, living in Jerusalem, after they've been run over by Babylon, and the place is a mess, the temple's in ruins, the walls are in ruins, people have been taken to Babylon, families, men and women have been killed, and it's devastation. 
And here Isaiah speaks to them and says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. Someday, someday, folks, there's going to be light again. Isaiah in verse 2 tells them that for a season darkness will reign supreme. Darkness shall cover the earth. Darkness shall cover the people. A deep darkness, a thick, almost tangible darkness, a deep gloom, like being lost in a cave. But Isaiah is saying, hold on to God, for he is your light. Hold on to God, because he is your ball of twine that is going to bring you out of this dark, dark cave. You know, the Hebrew word for risen, when Isaiah says, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Hebrew word for risen is the same word which is used uh, by John, in, when Jonathan in 1 Samuel, he sees the honey literally dripping from the trees and he reaches out and he takes some from the honeycomb and he eats it and we're told that his eyes brightened. Same Hebrew word, risen, brightened. And here is Isaiah saying, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He's brought brightness into your eyes again. He's brought, he's lifted you. He's brought meaning into your day. He's just lifted your heart. That's what's going to happen. You know, the, the term can also be translated to make the face shine, to bring peace and relief from trouble. That's what Christ does in your life. He brings a sense of peace even in trouble. And he gives you a meaning for this day. And he gives you purpose and brightens your eyes, brightens your soul, puts a skip in your step. For many years, it was a tradition to hold a gospel service on a Sunday evening. Many years. And some congregations still do. But you know that this tradition in the, uh, started in the rural areas of Scotland? Because when the electric light bulb was first invented, not every home could afford or not every home could be supplied, especially in the rural areas in Scotland. So what happened was uh, before homes were ever supplied, churches were supplied. And so people came out on a Sunday night to see this great invention, the electric light bulb, bringing light into churches. They didn't come to hear the minister. Unfortunately, they didn't come to, to worship God, unfortunately, but they came to see this new invention of the electric light bulb. And ministers, of course, took advantage of this. They saw it as a great opportunity to preach the gospel to folk coming out. And that's how the gospel it became a gospel service on a Sunday night. And uh, he was not showing off this new invention. That's not his purpose. His purpose was as people were drawn in by this attraction of this light, his intention was to introduce them to the light of the world, namely Jesus Christ himself. You know, our Christmas tree event, it goes beyond creating a nice Christmas atmosphere, I hope, with lots of prayer behind it, that it might light up a pathway for people to find Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Now, one of the most wonderful quotes from Jesus is surely that quote, John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. 
He who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, a statement comes across even more powerfully when you realize where he's saying it. He was in the court of women in the temple. It's also called the treasury. And it was the busiest area of the temple. And they'd been celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the greatest ceremonies happened here in this court, the illumination of the temple. It took place at the beginning of the feast, a spectacular celebration. In the center of the court, there were two great torches set up, massive big torches. Um, Some accounts say that the torches were as high as the temple. They were absolutely massive. And uh, the priests needed a ladder to climb up to light the wicks. And when they were lit up on this first night with the feast, some people danced till dawn. It was a great celebration. And uh, they, they were celebrating the time when, when Moses uh, was leading the people out of Egypt and the fire of God was there to light up the night sky and to guide them. And they're celebrating this. And Jesus in this busy court with, with the, the smell of this, the, the charred torches from the couple of days before, Jesus turns around and what an opportunity. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Notice what Jesus is announcing here. He's identifying himself with the fire, the Shekinah glory, which which led the people from Egypt. I led you back then, and I'll lead you now. I led you back then. I guided you, and I'll guide you now. I'll guide you now. Indeed, John, close uh, close to the beginning of his gospel, he writes, And the word that is namely Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, his Shekinah, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. No matter how dark your day feels, no matter how dark your life gets at times, we have Christ. We have Christ who is the light of the world. He is God's glory right beside us, walking step and step with us and living in us. I am the light of the world. You know, the lamp that leads you out of that deep, deep cave of darkness back into the light. I put a smile on your face once more. I don't know if you remember Cat Stevens. Many years ago, he recorded a beautiful song called Morning Has Broken. Well, in Isaiah here, the pronouncement of Christ's coming, that day in Bethlehem when the Son of God would come from Bethlehem and walk that life and walk to the cross, and be crucified in our place, shed his blood in our place, and then be risen from the dead. Three days later, conquering death, having victory over death. The morning had broken. The morning broke, not just for those women that went to the tomb, but for all of us when Christ was risen. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Morning has truly broken. God incarnate, born in flesh, 
to live amongst us, to feel our pain, our hunger, our struggles, and can identify with them and walk with you through life, through every day of life. And Isaiah continues, but the Lord will rise over you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Oh, that, that, it, that, that it would. Oh, that the glory of the Lord could be seen on our lives as individuals and on this church. That God's anointing, that God's power could, and his presence could be seen on us in our faces, in our actions, in our words, in all we do, may we stand out as beacons to direct people to Christ. The Gentiles, uh, writes Isaiah, shall come to your light. That's the Gentiles are the non-Jews, non-believers. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. May we do that here. May they come to us and want to know, what is it that you have? What is it? Who is this Christ? What's the difference between, difference between the dead religion of just going to church and a personal relationship with Christ? Those are the questions we want to be answering. And one of my favorite toys when I was a child, and I finished with this, it was this old magnet. <laughs> it was something probably about, I don't know, about 10 pence. <laughs> at the time, but it was an old magnet. It was shaped like an N, and it was red and gray, but it was powerful. My friends got magnets, but it wasn't as powerful as mine. Uh, but what it did was it attracted anything metal to its side. Boom. It just attracted it. May we as individuals and as a church have a Christ-like magnetic force which draws people to us that we may direct them to the source of that power, namely Jesus Christ. There are folk that are going through cancer situations, financial situations, different painful situations, and many don't have Christ to help them. May they be attracted to us by a forceful magnet of the Holy Spirit to lead them to us that we might show them Jesus Christ. The Gentiles shall come to your light Let's pray that they do. Let's pray that they do. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, something, a small little town called Bethlehem and a small little baby who would ever have guessed that he'd be the savior of the world, the one who brings hope and meaning to our lives, the one who brings purpose and joy, the one who brightens our eyes, the one that thrills our hearts. I pray, Lord, for this, uh, this whole week and for the preparations for the Christmas tree event and for into the, next, the following week with, uh, with the prayer space, we just pray, Lord, that your eyes may be upon this place. We pray that your heart may be with us that we might be your servants, your vessels, and may Jesus be seen powerfully in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. We just
close, um, let me see. Yes, with uh, There is a Redeemer. Let's stand. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.